That's great. As I mentioned, my name is Jem. It's a privilege to speak to you today from the Bible. That's the Word of God. We believe the, the Bible has been inspired and, and written through people, but it's been inspired by the Word of God. And you've got a, you've got a, a, a treat today um, in that I'm going to be very short. And, um, and then Phil's coming up as well. Phil and I are sharing. We're going to have a tag team this morning. Um, just felt it really great to get Phil involved. And there's also a, a passion uh, with him about what we're talking about as well. So it's really good to do that. Before that, someone's just given me 50p to make up to 400 pounds. How about that? 10p over, so now we need another 599 pounds, 60p, to make the thousand. So anyone's got that? No, no it's amazing. I just had my, unfortunately I wasn't here last week for the cakes, um, but Evan very kindly saved some, guarded them jealously, um, so we were able to enjoy it as well last week. So well done to our young people, thank you so much, because that's going to New Day, we're looking forward to going away together, um, it'll be a really good time. And really that's sort of what I want to talk about today is, is young people, the next generation, and the need for um, young people to be sacrificially passionate and stepping up, to be sacrificially passionate about God and His ways, and stepping up and being creative and looking to bring breakthrough. We've been challenged, haven't we, this week? Well, challenged, we've seen government sort of crumble and, and dissipate and it's just like, it's just seemed to have collapsed, hasn't it? It just seems that there's this, this stalemate now. We were in this phase, isn't there, where there's no real prime minister because he has no authority um, in terms of the cabinet and people who are with him. There's this stalemate. And there are lots of rhetoric, isn't there, around we need to see something new. We need to see um, a new way of government. We need a new, a new form of government. And really, that's really what I wanted to be talking about today. I've, over the last few months, I really felt God has impressed on me the challenges of how God is going to move through the church. That's us, his people. The church is his people. We're hearing about Gene, a member of the community church company. But the church in general, his people, God is going to move through us. And what, are, what I want to talk about over the next couple of weeks, really, is a couple of stories from the life of David. David was a, the king of Israel. He was the second king of Israel. Um, and I want to look at two, his two stories about him in, in the Old Testament that talk about who God chooses, who God brings along to cause breakthrough, to see things change. And this, this story I'm going to look at this morning is in a book called One Samuel. Now this is in the Old Testament. And um, this is often the story of Israel and King David and how he became king and the king before him, which was Saul. So you may want to follow it. I'm not going to be following the whole passage, but I'll be picking verses out of it as we go along, just to, just to highlight a couple, of, a couple of things from the story. But you may be, may be familiar with the story. You may have grown up with it. And maybe going to Sunday school, you may have heard it at school. It's about the story of David and Goliath. Goliath, this massive giant, and how David faced him down. And um, so that's what we're going to be looking at today. But I don't know about you, but as I get older, I can find myself becoming an increasingly grumpy old man. Thanks for that affirmation, that was really good. Um, but I can, be, I can become cynical, I can become tired. I can become tired of not seeing breakthrough in situations. And when you're in a position where I need to make a stand for something which I, I believe is right, I actually can become a bit like a rabbit in the headlights. And almost paralyzed in not knowing what to do. And actually it's in those moments 
that I find I need the example and encouragement of others, others who are sacrificially ambitious for God and his kingdom. They can provide new ideas, fresh initiatives to get things done, to, to, to break deadlocks and move things forward. And this week, through this story of David and Goliath, I want to look at how it took a young man with passion and zeal for God to break his people out of a deadlock and move forward. Because we need a new generation, as I said, a people of, who are ambitious for God and for his church and for his kingdom be sacrificially giving up things and, and moving things forward and being creative. So this is in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And for a long time, the Philistines, this was a group of people that had been at war with God's people for a long time. They'd been skirmishes. They'd had a long history of battles together. Um, and this was under their first king, King Saul. And so the point of this, where we come to this, this story, this was another battle looming against the Philistines. For the, for the people of God, for, for, for Israel. And um, the Philistines had crossed over into the land of Israel. They'd come and occupied a part of the land called Judah. So they, it wasn't just that they were shouting from, from their own nation, and, and they'd actually invaded and come across. And so they'd drawn up their battle lines on this hill. So King Saul, as the king, draws his army together, and they go out to meet them, and they stand on the hill opposite. So you can see there's, there's an army of Philistines on this hill, and there's an army of, of Israelites on this hill. And in the, in the middle, there's a valley. And as they're drawn up, the battle lines are drawn. What happens is, out of the ranks of the Philistines steps this giant of a warrior. A guy who we come to know as Goliath. And he comes and out of the ranks. So the battle is different. They don't suddenly start charging at each other. All of a sudden, this, this giant comes out. And he says something to the people of Israel. He shouts across the valley to the other, to the other army. And he says this. He taunts them and he says, come and have a go at me. That's what he's literally saying. Come and have a go at me. If you beat me, then we'll be your servants. And if I beat you, you'll be our servants. And he finishes by saying this. He says, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Come on. He's standing there. He's huge. He's got this massive armor on. It talks about how how he is so equipped with massive spear and a shield and this burnished armor. He looks amazing. He looks fearsome. He's awesome. And he says, come and fight me. And when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, what happened? Did they say, yeah, come on. No, it says they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And this went on for 40 days. 40 days this happened. This Goliath came out and said the same taunt, taunt, and nobody stepped up. Until a young man comes along, a young man called David. David isn't in Saul's army. Yes, he's an Israelite, he's part of the nation, he's part of God's people, but he's not in the army. His brothers are. His brothers have gone away to fight. And he's been left at home to look after the sheep. But he comes to the battlefield because his dad gives him some um, supplies and food. He says, take these to your brothers. Go and, go and bless them with a bit of, uh, bit of um, flatbread and some hummus and olives and whatever else we've got lying around. Take it to them, because I'm sure they'd, be, they'd, be, they'd love it. And so David comes up to the battlefield and he sees what's going on. He, he, he hears this guy saying these words and something happens in him. He's stirred and he's challenged by these thoughts. Whereas it says Saul and the people of Israel become fearful, 
David gets angry. He says, how dare? How dare someone defy the army of Israel and no one do anything about it? How can someone defy God but nobody does anything about it? And so I want to pick up quickly a few things and then I'm going to hand over to Phil in this story of David and Goliath. Firstly, David was affronted by what was going on. In verse 26, it said, David said to the man who stood by him, what should be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David was shocked that nothing had been done about this Philistine who was mocking God. Surely, he said, God is more powerful than this. Why is no one stepping up? He was affronted by what was going on. He saw it and it, and it sort of stirred something in him. And we need to be like that. If we want to see breakthrough, particularly you young people, you know what's going on. You see things around you in, in your society. You're going to be growing up in a different culture from the one I've grown up in. You're going to be facing different challenges to the ones I've, I've, I've faced as a Christian. And in some of those, you're going to get stirred up. And you're going to say, no, this is not right. What can we do about it? So there's that sense of there needs to be a, a, a righteous affrontation when things happen and are said that defy God and what he says and the truth about him. So David was shocked. And initially, David actually faced opposition and pressure to conform. So he comes to his brothers, his brothers are there. He's brought them all this nice supply. And he says this, you know, what's going on? Why, why is no one taking any action? And his brother, his eldest brother, Eliab, says this. He said, um, Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep? Come on, what are you doing here? You're just a whippersnapper. You're nothing. You should be at home looking after sheep. That's all you're good for. I know your presumption and the evil of your heart. But you have come down to see the battle. His own brother thought he was just an idle observer. He just wanted to come and see what was going on, sit on the hillside and, and just see all, all the blood and gore and what was happening in the battle. He was not even worth considering. He said, come on, go back to where you belong. And even Saul, when David, when, he, when David speaks to him, and we'll look at that in a bit moment, but Saul tried to put his own armour onto David. He said, okay, yeah, great, you want to go and battle him, fantastic. But you know what, you need to do it like this. You need to conform. We, you know, he's, look at his armour, look at his weapons he's got. You need to put, uh, you haven't got armour, put mine on. Put mine on and let's see what happens. You'll be fantastic. And what happens is poor David, he clunks around in this armour. It just doesn't fit him, it's not made for him. It's not what he's experienced in using. Um, but Saul tries to pressure him into saying, this is how we fight battles. This is how we do it. But David says, no, it doesn't fit. It doesn't feel right. It's not what I'm used to. I need to do, it's a different challenge. I need to do something different. I'm not going to meet him in the armor that he comes out in. We need something different to move forward. So he faces opposition at first, and he faces pressure to conform. But then... What does David do? I think David is, is, is really great at this point. I don't know about you, but I, I was a teenager. If someone tried to tell me what to do, I said, this is how you do it, that's what you do. I'd be off in a huff. Okay, I was out of that door, slamming the door, cursing, and particularly with parents, isn't it? <laughs> your, parents, your parents know best very often, but um, you, don't, you don't think they do. And so you storm off. And, you know, David, he doesn't. He thinks, you know, I've got an answer, but no one's listening to me. No, he's patient. He's patient and he doesn't rebel. David says, what have I done now? This is to his brother. Was it not a word I was saying? Just saying, this is, this is not right. It's not what's happening. And he turned away from his brother toward another. And he spoke in the same way. 
And the people answered him again as before. David was patient. He went and, 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 and says, look, what's going on? This isn't right. And he went to as many people as he could. He didn't just walk off in a huff. He was patient. He went to speak to people until word got to the right person. Word got to Saul, the king. And Saul invited him in and said, okay, great. Let's hear what you've got to say. And when he comes to see Saul, what we see is, is David's trust in who God is and the gifts and the experience that God has given him. So in verse 32 and 37, when David gets to meet with Saul, he says to Saul this, he says, let no man's heart fail because of him, this is Goliath. Let no man's heart fail because of Goliath. Your servant, interesting word, David says, I'm not here to take over, I'm not here to, to take over from you, I'm not here to challenge your authority, I, I'm your servant. I'm your servant. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistines. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine should be like one of them. I've had experience. I've had experience you, you wouldn't even know about. Lions and bears, I've taken them all on, and I've rescued my father's sheep from them, and what if, they, if they come back at me again, and then I'll just take them off. I've had this experience. This has been my life from a young person. This is what I can do. Your servant has struck down both lions and dams, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And so Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. The Lord also mentioned about the armor. He tried the armor, he said, no, I can't, I can't do this. I haven't tested the armor. That wasn't his experience. God, so David trusted in what God had been teaching him growing up in him as a shepherd and he knew exactly what was needed so he went out with the blessing of Saul but in a completely different way and so ultimately David is victorious over this Goliath and the deadlock is broken because what happens is when David goes out he doesn't have armor doesn't have a sword has nothing with him apart from a slingshot that he's come from the fields with that he uses as a shepherd and his staff his stick and when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? David is like, you're mocking me. Come on, look at me. I'm, I'm this mighty powerful Goliath. Look at my armor, look at my shield, look at my sword. Look at my spear, for goodness sake. It's thick as a two, two men's legs. What are you going to do about it? You come at me with sticks? Am I a dog? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. 
Bold statement. But that's exactly what happened. Bear in mind, David doesn't have a sword at this point. He has no sword, he has a slingshot. And if you're familiar with the story, what happens is David then rushes at Goliath in the valley. He comes out to meet him. It says he'd already picked up some stones from a brook and he puts them in his slingshot and he puts a stone in the slingshot, winds it up and just wham, straight at Goliath. And it says it hits him in the head and Goliath falls down. And then what happens is David goes over, takes Goliath's sword and cuts off Goliath's head. And at that point, the Philistine army just run away in complete fear. David has caused a massive breakthrough. 40 days this had been going on, and no breakthrough, no one had stood up. David, a young man who understood who God was, who understood God was not someone to be defied, who, who had been trained in a new way of dealing with situations because he'd experienced different things with different animals, he knew that he, his God, first he would protect him, but he also knew that he could defeat this, this man, this Goliath, in the, in the way that God had trained him and brought him up. I want to just say, you know, this, we need this to happen in our workplaces, and I talked about the, you know, politics as well. We need to see certain things happen, changes, new generations coming up to, to ease deadlocks and breakthrough. But the emphasis I want to do is particularly talk about church today. You know, we need to see breakthrough in the church. We need to see new chain things happen. And I just want to read something that was sent to me yesterday by Rachel, who's, who's one of uh, the, uh, married to Nev, one of the elders. She sent this through on a WhatsApp chat. Um, and if anyone know Matthew Paris? You know who Matthew Paris is? Some people do. I didn't, so I had to have a look it up. <laughs> but he is um, an ex-politician. He's now a journalist for The Times. And this is what he wrote in an article on Wednesday this week. He said, it was late, nearly midnight, and I was walking the six miles home from a pleasant and lively speaking engagement, not 500 yards from the Carlton Club. The journey took me down Fleet Street and straight through the city. Streets and lanes, ghostly, almost deserted at that hour. On a corner close to the Bank of England, I paused at a complicated intersection. A cyclist pulled up beside me. He was in his 20s, a bit dishevelled and hairy, but harmless looking. He was riding a delivery bike, no doubt with a late delivery. I'd been paid £1,000 for attending the dinner. He was being paid probably £14 an hour. You're Matthew Paris, he informed me. I confirm this. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus? I replied that I am sure Jesus existed and love and respect the character whose description has come down to us through the ages, but that I do not believe he was the Son of God and do not believe in God at all. But he said he was, young man said. I replied that Jesus probably was under a misapprehension. The cyclist paused to think. Well, he said, Jesus loves you even if you won't acknowledge him. I will pray for you. And with that, he cycled off. I walked on, curiously moved. Interesting story, isn't it? And there's a provocation, provocation to me. We can get into arguments and discussions, can't we, about the nature of Jesus and all this sort of thing. And this young man came along. Oh, I recognise you. You know Jesus? Well, Jesus loves you whether you acknowledge him or not. I'll pray for you. And he says, I walked away. He says, I walked on, curiously moved. Something had happened, probably. We don't know what happened. You know, it's, it's a story. It's, it's, it's just, we don't, often with the Bible, we see these stories. We don't know what happens afterwards. We don't know what happened with this man as a result of that encounter. But it's just like, he's a man on his bike, doing a delivery job. Thinks, yeah, I know this guy. I recognise him. I'll say hello, and I'll say that Jesus loves you. We need to see that 
this next generation, you young people, you know, we're going to a new day. It's going to be an amazing time. But at that time, God is going to be preparing you for it. So bear that in mind as we go. I'm going to hand over to Phil now. So I want to give him his, his space. Right. Hi. This is nice. So, get something down. Start my timer. Okay. So, I've been asked specifically to talk to the youth. Oi. You lot. You lot are there. You guys can, can listen too, if you want to. Very welcome to. So, um, I've got sore knees. I'm going to do my I'm quite old story. I, I, don't, I don't feel old, but I keep being told I'm old. Evan and Milo, how old, how old am I? 72. <laughs> it's a bit of a family joke. Whenever they, whenever they talk about me, they, and, and, and birthday cards are often me looking like a granddad. And anyway, I don't feel old, but I, I was working the other day. So I'm a cameraman by trade, and, and we were on the, filming on the streets. And we were trying to, I was trying to film a show called House Hunters International, and we're filming these two guys. And, a, and this kid on a bike, he must have been teenager, I don't know how old, he goes past, and as he goes past, he goes, oi, 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 like that, just trying to interrupt our filming, so we had to go, we had to do it again, and sure enough, we did have to go again, and as he cycled off into the distance, I, I kind of went to my friends, I kind of went, like making, making fun of him, and he spotted me, and he turned around, and he came back, <laughs> and he's effing and jeffing, and really laying into me. And then he stops right, right next to us. I'm just, I'm just smiling, and, and he looks at me. And he says, "You're, you're so old." <laughs> that was like, that was like the biggest, most awful thing he could say. And it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of true. I'm getting, I don't feel old, but I am getting old. So you know, there we go. <laughs> it's the biggest insult it could be. I don't think it is. I think we need to embrace our oldness. With, with oldness comes experience you know the word expert comes from yeah thanks Paul the, the word expert comes from the same word as experience you can't be an expert unless you have experience and stuff right but there is stuff that the youth can do that we can't so anytime I don't know if you notice any anytime there's a, a a notice and it's something to do with the youth like if I say a notice about new day oh come on you can do better than that when I say a notice about like, yeah, we're all going to New Day. Now, if I was to do a, a notice about, you know, something to do with you guys, you wouldn't all cheer and clap like that. There is, a, there is a, an exuberance. It's like, we're going, we're going on a church weekend soon. Not bad. Pretty good, pretty good. Anyway, you get the idea. Youth bring fresh ideas and enthusiasm. And we, as a body of Christ, they are part of this body of Christ. And they bring things that we don't have. Yeah. Um, and David was a youth. Do you know how old David was? He, they reckon he was about 15, okay? Because they worked it out. If he's got three, he, he was the youngest of eight brothers. The oldest three were in the army, and you can't join the army until you're 20, okay? So even if their mum and dad had had one baby every year after that, the oldest he could have been was 15. 15. He might have been, they, they say he might be 13 or 14, but he was around that age, basically. And that, that's young, man. That's really young. And he goes to this battle, right? 
And does he go straight up and, and does, he, does he march up to the Goliath? No, no, he, he, he wasn't there. This isn't his first time that he's fought people like Goliath. He didn't go straight to lion killing. So Joel, can you put up verses 34 to 37? This is where he talks about keeping sheep. He keeps his father's sheep and he kills bears and lions. I won't read it again because Jem read it. But you get the idea. Although he's up against Goliath, this is not the first time he's done that. And this is my first big point, really. It's called transferable skills, okay? So God is working in you guys right now, okay? The things that you do that you see as little are your lions and your bears. And this is for everyone too, by the way. If there's something that you do uh, practice in your bedroom. I know some of you practice guitar in your bedroom. I know some of you sing already on stage. I know some of you preach as well. I know some of you help to put the chairs out. There's all sorts of things that you guys do. And God is training you right now. And if, you're, if, if you concentrate and, you, and you're good at that stuff and you really have a heart for that, then God will use you more when you're older. So I've got a good story. Uh, I went to, I was lucky enough to go to Zambia uh, with Susie to help film uh, for Bethany Children's Trust. And when we got to the first hotel, I was with a group who were working up in the, in, um, in the bush, I guess, up, way up north where there wasn't much around. And uh, I, I was sharing a room with Justin. I wasn't just sharing a room with Justin. Justin was one of the guys that, I, that was out there too, helping with the work. I shared a bed with Justin, a double bed. <laughs> which was the first, you know, and it's just what you do in Africa. You know, there's one bed, two people, so we shared. And it was just a, such an amazing blessing to me to share this room with this amazing man of God. He, I think he was probably about 19 or 20. And every evening before we went to sleep, he, he got up and he walked to the end of the bed and he said, Phil, I think I'm going to talk to you about Psalm 23 this evening. And he would preach at me from the end of the bed and he, he'd really get into it and he was really passionate and he would that was his, that was how he finished his day was a little preach to me amazing it was quite disconcerting at first and I didn't know whether I should respond or, or do so that uh, I think the next night I did it was my turn so I, I did one but I think it's such a I have no doubt that Justin is going to be preaching to more than just me in our bed one day if he is faithful, and if he, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. If he's faithful and he keeps close to God, he'll be preaching to crowds. And it's the same for you guys. If you're faithful and you keep going with your lions and your tigers and your bears, one day it will be a Goliath. That's for sure. Yeah? He had such faith. David had such faith and such courage. And then my second point really is, this is often, this story is often talked about as an underdog story. It's a bit like uh, Rocky, the film Rocky, when he's, he's up against whoever the big, uh, Apollo Creed. Or um, uh, there's lots of, uh, Karate Kid, that was the other one. And also, I love this story of, of Toku Shoya, who is a sumo wrestler from Japan. He's the lowest in his division of sumo wrestlers. And his his coach died mid-season and he said publicly right i'm going to win this i'm going to be the best this season in honor of my coach and everyone's like 
you're the worst in the whole in the whole division. And, and he did. He won. He won every single match apart from one, and he won the whole championship. Incredible, incredible underdog story. Okay, but David and Goliath shouldn't be confused with an underdog story. We forget it's not just little David and big Goliath. Okay, so how does it differ? differ? So, Joel, if you put up verse 37, what does David do? There it is. What does David do? He goes to Saul and he says to Saul, the Lord rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear and he will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And then Saul says, go, and God be with you. So David, he's not just a plucky youth who's, who's, who's a David and Goliath underdog story. He looks to God. He looks to God. And again in verse 45, Joel, if you put 45 up, what does he say to Goliath when he's out there facing him? He says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. So he comes with God. So it's not really a battle between David and Goliath, so much as God and Goliath. And every every battle in in the Bible, um, it, it's often the the young or the lowly or the the frowned upon person that God chooses to use because he wants to get the glory. He loves it when he gets the glory. And he loves it when, when we, as, as people, we're feeling weak, yeah? So we look to God for our help. It's so important. He has such faith. Um, I was gonna read uh, 1 Corinthians. So we're in Corinthians at the moment. So think about 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 27. Thank you. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were, when you were called. Not many of you were wise, not many influential, not many of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. So if you're feeling weak this morning, whether it's a Goliath at work that you're facing, whether it's something you're hoping to do, be encouraged. Because you're going to look to God. You're going to say, oh my gosh, I need God in this. I need God in this. And that's a good place to be. It really is. Because we rely on God for our strength. Yeah, that's, and, and God loves that when we have faith. And we step out in faith like that. The battle is the Lord's. So if the battle is the Lord's, if the battle is between God and Goliath rather than David and Goliath, does that not completely mean that my first point is, is, is pointless? The, the, the bears and lions. Do we even need to, to worry about bears and lions? Because well, if God's going to do it, then why do we need to do anything at all? No, maybe, maybe God could have chosen David, and he was rubbish with the slingshot, and, and God would have used him anyway. But I don't think so. I don't think so. I think God, in his wisdom, he loves to work with us and through us. And, and the, the big point of this story is that, is that he was training David up, and David... The reason he chose David is not so much because he was small and insignificant, so much as he had faith and he was close to God and he was working and working and he was looking after those sheep like they were the best sheep. He was doing what he could. And I think that's the same for all of us. I think it's so important 
that we look after the small things and then God will give us the big things. And God obviously saw something in the heart of David. He must have seen something or he wouldn't have sent Saul a few chapters, uh, Samuel a few chapters before to anoint him. He saw something in David's heart. God chose David, like Jen would say, God chose David. And God chooses us this morning. He looks at our hearts. How are we doing with the small things this morning? How are we doing with the lions and the bears? Not just the youth, but everyone this morning. Are we, uh, are we looking to God? Are we seeing it as training for what's to come? God often works through hardship and battle. He's honing our character. And, and that's for us this morning. That's for all of us this morning, I think. And one other point while I was, while I was I'm going to finish now. Bam, do you want to come up? Um, a couple of points for the, for, the, for the old people in the room. If there's, if there's something that you used to do when you were younger that you had a real passion for, then if you've been reminded of it this morning, I would, I, I would say that that's good, reminding you of that. And young people, if you don't know what your lions and bears are, if you're not sure what you should be doing, then think about where your passions are, what, what gets you excited, and also what makes you angry. For me, it was I, was I was bullied quite badly at school, and I have such a passion for making sure that no one is ever left out, or I look out for the people on the edges. That's, that, that's a little bit of me and my kind of lions and bears and what God was doing in my life. So, it's, so think about what makes you angry, because that can be God stirring your heart. Think about what makes you excited, and passionate, because that is God stirring your heart. Even and, and even if it's, it, I say just, but just, you know, if, if if you love getting into your history books and and researching and studying a subject, fantastic. Do it for God. Do it for Jesus. If you love, absolutely love playing the guitar, keep doing it, because that's your lions and your tigers. Keep going. So we're going to stuff. We're going to worship now. And then um, uh, towards the end, we'll, um, we'll be asking some things. So why don't we stand now? I'll hand over to Jason.